Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott. Socially distancing, as always. Hello, Scott. Hey, Sean. How are you uh, doing? I'm good, good. I don't don't think I left my house since... I don't even remember. <laughs> maybe maybe Thursday. Oh boy, it's uh. It's Wednesday. Yeah, That's... maybe Thursday. So you haven't been outside in nearly a week. Um, yeah, I've had my door open, my my patio door open, so I feel like I've had outside come into me. Do you think, Scott, that you have gotten to a thousand steps in any one of those days? Oh, I'm sure I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if any anybody would count it because I don't carry my phone around with me in my house. But right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I walk around, do do uh, you know, some cleaning. I'm constantly cleaning. Yeah. And my my apartment still doesn't look that clean. I, <laughs> I'm like, what what's happening? It is the strange thing about this this self-isolating period that, yeah, I feel like I'm tidying a lot, but it doesn't feel different from, you know, day-to-day life when I'm not tidying as much. But I suppose part of that is that I'm not home that much in normal times. Yeah, yeah, no no doubt, no doubt. So uh, enough about that. Yeah. What what uh, do we have on tap for today, Sean? Oh, great show today. Uh, very excited about this one. We, we've thought about this one for a while and uh, I finally reached out to uh, our wonderful guest, Andrew Stokely. Scott, we are familiar with Andrew as the sound mixer for the Grand Slam of curling. He's the, the lead on that. He's done some TSN events as well. But it, whenever we see him on Twitter during you know Sportsnet events, you know he's always talking about he's there, he's in the truck, he, he's mixing it. He's what makes curling fun. Because we can hear the players. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if we didn't have people like Andrew, then we wouldn't be able to hear the players. Uh, nobody would want to watch curling on TV. Yep. And likely, Sean, we wouldn't have a podcast. Absolutely true. All, all those things are factual. So uh, so we had Andrew on the show. We, we were able to talk to him. A nice, lengthy conversation about not only curling, but just sports in general. We talked about baseball we start with baseball the challenges with that and then we shift into curling fantastic conversation we talk about what makes a good building for the sound the challenges of having the players the broadcaster the building sounds what teams are good how you manage you know teams that yell really loud and whisper and and all those good things Uh, really great conversation all right scotty let's welcome in our guest today the one and only the great andrew stokely you might know him at twitter at stokely audio andrew welcome to the show thanks for having me Uh, very excited to have you here you know we've talked uh, a little bit uh, on twitter and uh, just before we started recording that I think a lot of the fans who listen to this show will know you from when you're tweeting about doing audio at, at curling events, but you're really a sports audio guy, right? That That's sort of how you market yourself? 
Yeah, I I am uh, what you would call a television broadcast A1 or audio engineer. Um, and the easiest way to describe that is everything you hear at home, I'm responsible for except commercials. So anything in-game, uh, anything uh, that happens on the field of play, I'm responsible for. Uh, and I have two properties. I am uh, I'm the head audio guy, I guess you could say, for the Grand Slam of curling on Sportsnet. And I'm also the head A1 for the Toronto Blue Jays on Sportsnet. So that between those two properties, that really actually takes up most of my year. Um, I'm also the relief uh, mixer for the TSN events for Curling Canada. Um, but then I also do a whole bunch of NHL, uh, NBA, um, CHL. Uh, this year, I did a lot of National Lacrosse League out in Halifax all winter, and then I just fill in my schedule. I, I, I'm just a hired hand. Whoever calls and books me and whoever checks clear, I'll work for. <laughs> right. So I think that that's something that I was actually kind of surprised by, knowing that you you did this Grand Slams and Blue Jays. Uh, I thought you were a Sportsnet, like a Rogers employee, but you're really more of just an independent contractor that can sort of go wherever, right? Correct. Yeah. Basically, in Canada, all... Uh, uh, television uh, production or sorry, uh, technical staff, <clears throat> excuse me, sort of things like switchers, camera operators, EVS replay, we're all freelancers. Um, uh, there's only one major uh, technical providing company in Canada. They're called Dome Productions. They're based out of Toronto. They have offices in Calgary and in Montreal. Uh, and they are 50% owned by Rogers and 50% owned by Bell. And they uh, supply all of the mobile uh, facilities for those broadcasters, um, and then they hire us uh, to to provide those positions um, for uh, the networks. Um, but I'm not an employee of Dome Productions. I have my own company. I'm incorporated, uh, and I not only work for Dome, I also work for um, – the CBC. I still work for uh, other independent production companies. Um, like I said, anybody who calls me and I'm available, I'll work for. Right, right on. So Scott, you, you heard Andrew there. He does audio for the Blue Jays. Do you want to give a brief five seconds on what your thoughts are on Blue Jays television audio? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the on-field stuff is great. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> That's good. Well, it, it's a 50-50. Some people like what I do. Some people don't. I, I'm I, I honestly I don't as you know, when as long as my mix sounds good um, mm -hmm. and as long as Buck and Tabby are happy, as long as the uh, our producer or director are happy, as long as the network executives are happy. Um, that's all I really care about. Uh, right. You know, it's um, it's tough to capture sound. Uh, on a large uh, playing field uh, with the controls. Now, you have to understand for baseball, um, anything on the field has to be approved by Major League Baseball. Right. This is not like uh, the Sportsnet Curling, which owns the property. I could have carte blanche. I could do whatever I want on the ice or on the or wherever in the building. But if I want to put a microphone on the field, I have to get that approved. So where not only do I have to get it approved by MLB, but I also have to get it approved by the Blue Jays and I have to get it approved by Rogers Center because we're adding things. We could be technically changing the dimensions of the playing surface, uh, which is a no, no. Um, so I'm limited in terms of where I can and can't place microphones on the field of play. Uh, and two years ago, if you've been a longtime Jays fans, you'll notice that they added extra 
um, signage boards behind home plate. So it actually pushed out my microphones that I have behind home plate by an extra seven feet on either side or eight wow. feet, whatever it is. So it actually helped me um, because it moved my dishes further out from the crowdedness at home plate. Mm. Um, so I use parabolic dishes with uh, directional laths, omni or um, uh, um, cardioid uh, laths inside the dishes. Uh, and like I said, and then I do some old-fashioned uh, music production stuff, and, and that's how I capture my on-field site. On top of things like the first base mic, I have I have like 16, 17 microphones out on the field of play. So it's just a matter of of choosing which mics. But the main, all the main audio you get behind uh, at the plate are the two mics in behind home plate. Right. Yeah, I, I think sort of you know the Graham family, if you will. We uh, it's more the content that comes out of the booth that, that tends to be our uh, our criticism of the the sound uh, with Blue Jays stuff. Um, is all but uh they seem like nice guys i, I think what's interesting too when, you, when you're talking about the stuff that is available on the field i don't know scott if if you've seen any of the john boy media stuff or if andrew you, andrew you have either yep, i know who he is I've, he, I've gotten emails and memos it's i find it so interesting when he goes and he finds the audio of the live mics that are on the field when he does his breakdown videos so I, i'm curious We'll talk about curling, of course, but sure. for, for baseball, when you have the audio that, that he gets for those things, do you have access to that throughout the entire game that you can just go to whatever mic you want and see what it's picking up? Is that is it sort of like being a director with where you see you know, a director with video saying like camera one, camera – are you kind of doing the same thing with mics? Yeah, basically I follow, I follow the director and the producer's – lead i i we just we have a saying in television called follow the puck so i am i am seeing what the director is uh what the director has on air but i can also see what the, the director's about to go to on air um and with audio you always lead you never follow because if you follow you're late you will you will lose sound if you ever hear somebody clip a microphone that's that's because the person missed their cue and they were late pushing the fader up um so yeah, like I in front of my console, if you were to picture a mixing console, uh, in front of me on baseball, I have um, I can tell you right now because I can do it with my fingers. I have left right dish. I have my back crack gate. I have uh, third base pick. I have first base pick. I have camera five, which is the swing seat uh, camera that can get into the visitors dugout. I have camera one, which is the camera that shoots into the uh, into the Jays microphone. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, dugout. Then I also have the uh, left field wall mic, the center field wall mic, the right field wall mic, and then I have Jay's bullpen, and I have the visitor's bullpen. Those are all the microphones I have on the field of play. And then I have about eight crowd microphones and other microphones that are throughout the building. So I am chasing the play, the action. Um, but with baseball, it's a little different. Each sport's different. With hockey, I'm chasing 10 microphones up and down the ice. I'm traveling and so forth. With basketball, you're you're following footwork. You're getting that swish, which is my favorite sound in sport, that perfect swish of a, of a basketball going through a hoop. You know, you're, you're basically following whatever the play is. So I'm creating a soundscape. Um, you know, with baseball, like I said, the two backcrack microphones generate most of the noise on field. I'm only bringing up the first base microphone to pick when a pitcher throws a uh, throws over or, you know, they're running towards first and you uh, and I'm tracking that microphone to hear the snap of the glove. I'm only tracking 
And when I say tracking, I mean bringing that microphone to air. Uh, I'm only tracking the uh, Jay's bullpen microphone when we go to the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they cr- if I think they're going to crash into one of the outfield walls, I'll bring that appropriate mic up. Because if I just left all those microphones up at once, it would just be a giant cacophony of sound, and you wouldn't know uh, what to listen for. It would just basically be a, a garbled mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think even too, I mean, I listen to on when I'm watching MLB.tv. I'm usually on that ballpark feed, and you can even tell with that that it's it's mixed. And I don't know, are they picking up your mix? If I'm yeah, watching so we, the, the Blue Jays TV feed, are they just using your mix minus the broadcasters? Yeah, so what we do in television, I create what's called an IS mix, and that's called international sound. Any broadcast that you work on, we produce an IS mix, and that IS mix uh, also goes to Sportsnet. It also goes to MLB. It goes to MLB.com. It goes to MLB Radio. It goes to the radio feed. Well, in Toronto, I actually produce a radio IS feed directly for the fan 590, which is just catered directly to radio because radio requires different uh, um, international sound than a standard uh, IS mix, if you will. Um, So, yeah, so I create on top of the program mix. Um, So, yeah, so MLB and those guys. So when you're listening to the MLB feed at home and just the, the ballpark sounds, you're watching our program minus Buck and Tabby. And, and a rash or, or hazel. Right. And we should yes. say, we, we love a rash and hazel. We're, we're big fans of theirs. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I, I, I understand everybody's issues, but I mean, I'm just, I, I mean, obviously I'm biased that this is my, sure. this will be my 12th. I started working on them on 2007 and started taking over full-time in 2009. So this would be my 11th season mixing full-time where it's my show. Um, you'll never meet two nicer people uh, on the entire planet than Buck and Tabby. Buck is um, the most genuine, friendly uh, person I've ever known, and he's done a lot of stuff for me. My dad recently passed away in November, um, and he reached out to me as soon as it happened. Uh, you know, not not that not many people would do that. Same with Tabby. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, I consider them friends. Uh, we have lots of laughs on the road. We golf. Uh, you know, it's, um, like, and again, it's different. I'm not, and I should say this. We, so every day at three 30, we have a production meeting where Buck Tabby or Dan Tabby or whoever it is come down to the truck they sit in the truck with our producer and our director and Scott Carson comes down and our lead EVS guy comes in and everybody sits there and Ron, who does our graphics, um, they sit there and they talk about what, what they want to talk about on the show. And that's my favorite part of the day. I could care less about the broadcast, to be honest, because I'm not a sports fan anymore. Um, I've been doing this for 25 years. I don't care who wins. I don't care who loses. I don't care if somebody gets injured. I don't care at all. All I care about is producing a good product for the field. I want to get in, get to air, get done so I can go home because I know I have to do it again the next day. If I'm on the road, I'm going back to the hotel so I can sleep for three or four hours so I can get on a plane, fly to another city and rinse, lather, repeat. So I stopped being a fan of sport a long time ago. And it's just the, it's just a, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a casualty of, of what I do for a living. Um, do I want the team to win? Of course I want the team to win because that means, Better ratings for us means I have a secure job, means the ballpark's full. Trying to make a ballpark with 50,000 seats sound good when there's only 7,000 people in the stands, it's not so good. Uh, so, you know, it's, 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 a, it's um, 
yeah, it's it's a real. Uh, it, so yeah, I don't I don't really like I said I don't really care who wins or loses. I, I'm I just want to go in and have a good time. But that three thirty meeting, I could listen to those guys talk old stories all day long, just all day long. They can come in there. I have Tabby is an idiot savant when it comes to stuff and stats. He can he can for like we can see uh, close-ups. Now you have to understand when we when they're in the broadcast booth, they see the field obviously, and they have what's called a program monitor. That's all they see. But but Tabby has this nonchalant sort of Kreskin ability to call pitches, to call um, hits, how it's going to lay out just before it happens. Like he's got a really um, he knows the game very well. You know, a lot of people, he, he's got that delivery. Some people like, some people don't like. It, it's, you know, I, I like I said, and I can't comment because I'm not an expert in the game. I don't, I, I, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not, I don't, you know, I don't sit and go over stat sheets. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I really don't care. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm there to produce audio. I'm not there to produce the game. Right. Very so, good. Yeah, and, and we should say, too, Buck Martinez, one of the most memorable plays in Blue Jays history, Scott, I believe it was in Seattle, broke his leg in two parts, still got two outs at home plate. Yeah, I think the two outs at home plate is is what's craziest, right, that he's yeah. sitting there with a broken leg. but Yeah, uh, making the play. Yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't really remember it. Yeah, that's what I've right. heard. Eh? He's, he's got yeah. no memory of it, just kind of like really... in shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a pretty bad collision. Um yeah. But, you know, like I, the Buck's hilarious. He's great. And, you know, we've been talking all winter because uh, I was in the process of helping him get headsets, um, his own headset for this coming season because of everything that was going on. So it's been it's been really good. Like, you know what? I've just said I just get I'll get texts. I'll get emails. Um, they're just it's they're just really, really, really uh, good people. Um, and, you know, our numbers are good. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, but it, uh, it's true. People either really love them. Or they don't really like them in terms of their of in their in-game call. But I tell you, you put their, our game up against somebody like the Boston Red Sox, or some of the other like when when Hank Harrelson or Hawk Harrelson was doing oh, Chicago. Oh, yeah. You, you listen to <laughs> yeah. a lot of other small you know small town uh, or small time uh, uh, networks. The Texas Rangers, the the old guy they used to have who used to to do the play by play, he would literally. He, first of all, he and the color guy didn't get along. They wouldn't talk to each other outside <laughs> of the ballpark. Oh. And and he would literally just so every year the, the teams produce a big book, right? That's got bios, history, blah 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 blah. He would just sit and open a page while the game was on and just say, "And there's uh, you know Jose Bautista. He's out of Puerto Rico, and you can see you could like literally see him reading, you know <laughs> what it said in the media book to come along. It was you know anyway. And then Tom, the color guy, would just look at. And he'd look back at myself when I was A2ing or whatever, and he'd just shake his head. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's – it's it's. <laughs> I certainly see things a little differently. Um, sure. You know, uh, but again, for me, it's about creating – it's about creating the atmosphere. That's, that's what I'm there to do. I'm there to make sure people can hear the announcers and to create an atmosphere in the ballpark or whatever facility I'm at. So just before we get off of uh, baseball and yeah. switch over to curling, which, sure. you know, is – sort of what we, what what we do. do. Yeah. Do you, do you remember maybe like what was the loudest time that you've uh, been doing audio for the Blue Jays? Do you remember something like that? Uh, when I actually have a video of it and I sent a video to it 
um, we kind of knew stuff was going going down. This was in the, the 2015 run mm-hmm. um, when and I, I'd have, I'll have maybe I can find it if I can. Um, I have a video of my VU meters when oh, who was it? Somebody hit a home run towards the end, which clinched the 2015 playoff. Uh, is the, uh, the Bautista home run in Game Five? No, 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 no. This is before the playoffs. Okay. This was. This was. No, you know what? I was in PEI golfing. Uh, oh. I didn't get to do the playoff run. I found we found out about five weeks prior to the uh, playoffs that we weren't doing it. Um, oh, I was, this was an MLB production or a TBS production. Well, they is, but because we're Canadian, we're the Canadian. Uh, uh, we have the rights to broadcast the games in Canada. The issue is, is that MLB wanted to charge Sportsnet an astronomical amount, <laughs> and I don't mean like small amount. Like I mean, even I, as somebody who's been in this for a long time and jaded by what networks do and don't do, when they finally told us all the numbers, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, 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 that that totally <laughs> makes sense. And they also would have been put in an auxiliary. We would have lost our broadcast positions behind home plate. Like Buck and Tabby would have been down third baseline where the football media is. Well, you can't call baseball when you're stuck. You know, we would have no, and we would have lost all of our camera positions. We would have been based. We would have basically been doing a world feed. Um, and so it just didn't make any sense. So I went to PEI and golf with three buddies, and I didn't watch a single minute of the 2015 playoffs. Not a single. Uh, So I just. just Googled this too. Josh Donaldson hit a walk-off home run against the Rays in September of that year. Um, yeah, I remember they clinched in Baltimore, but uh, it could have been a big. It was Sorry? some. It was some I, yeah, I, I, I got to. I have to remember. I, I have the video um, on my phone somewhere because uh, I sent it to a rash, and I said, "This is the loudest I've ever heard it in here," <laughs> and my needles were pinned. Um, that was really good. I remember the Donaldson home run in Toronto. Uh, they've been doing all the old games, like the the, the first game that Tulo came. Uh, yeah. You know when he hit two home runs, and you could just hear. I was talking to Joe Siddle the other day about this because he had posted it, and then we were texting offline. I just said, I don't know what it was. Um, I mean, there was that buzz, but when he hit that first home run, usually what happens in baseball, um, and this is what I really like about baseball and about curling as opposed to hockey. Baseball, you have highs and lows you have Mm -hmm. dynamic dynamic response to crowds and situations in hockey you have basically one level and it's and it's always at 10 there's it's never five it's never four it's always at 10 which for for me to mix can be very draining in terms of my ears because i don't get a dynamic mix but on baseball Mm -hmm. you have very low lull periods where you know it's supposed to be leisurely. The roof is open and so forth. So you don't hear anything. And and for a couple of years there, you heard nothing. Like it was quiet. But I don't know what it was about that game because every game after that, the what we call a ground floor noise. So the, the din of the crowd kept getting louder with not me adding new microphones or changing gain structure in my microphone. It was just the actual crowd, more people. You could hear it rising. And from that game forward – and as soon as he hit that first home run, something changed. The atmosphere, the electric charge in that building, I don't know what happened, but you could hear it every single game after that just continually rising. 
And it was very cool because, you know, I was really happy with how it sounded. The best mix mm. I've ever done, though, for baseball is still um, the Robbie Alomar Hall of Fame game. That's the one that I'm probably the most proud of in terms of an overall mix. Um, so if you ever get a chance to watch that, watch it in 5.1 because I mixed that one in surround uh, mm. with a steady can. And I think that was I think that one's still probably my best game I've ever mixed. I love that one. Very good. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. So let's uh, let's shift over to curling after right. you know because it's tangentially I guess what the whole show is about. But uh, <laughs> you know at, the, at this time in this place we can talk about whatever we want I suppose. So let, let's get into curling. You know you talked about some of the challenges of mixing associated with baseball, including the making a, a, a big stadium that's kind of empty sound good. When you come to a, a curling event, what I find interesting is the difference between morning draws, evening draws, afternoon draws in terms of the number of people there and the action on the ice, if there's not a lot of folks there, can lead to, in the building at least, a lot of echoes. And when I'm thinking about the sound profile that I hear when I, I listen to curling, I like hearing the other sheets. You know, when it, you can hear it in the players' mics or however you hear it, I, I don't know what it is, where they're yelling, you can hear rocks crashing and, and the crowd cheering. But what are some of the the challenges that go along with doing a sporting event? Let's start with, you know, a, a TSN or a Sportsnet broadcast where it's a single sheet in an arena that maybe is half full and there's four other games going on. Like, like what challenges are presented by that that are unique from other sports? Sure. Well, the big thing, as you talked about, are the venues. Um, hockey arenas are basically standard sizes, if you will, right? They all have the same general layouts. Ballparks generally have the same layouts. But when we get into smaller hockey venues uh, or smaller arenas, because they're not necessarily, uh, you know, CHL or AHL games or whatever, um, you know, it's the it's the Yorkton Mudcats or the, York, the Yorkton Terriers that they play at. Um, for us, it's for me, it's it's the the building dimensions. So what I mean that is when you have a structure that um, you can literally touch the ceiling with a stick, um, your reverberation time, your ability for your sound to escape before it returns to your microphones is greatly reduced. So I want a building that has at least a somewhat higher roof to allow all the sounds on the ice level to leave where it is, reach its maximum height before it reverberates back down onto the playing surface because that's where I pick up the audio. So that's where I'm hearing sheet alpha to sheet doggy or whatever. So you'll be able to notice, like, if you want to listen to, say, the, uh, uh, the, the, the games this year in Yorkton, uh, which has a very low ceiling – and a very large dehumidifier, which creates a very low rumble. Um, then if you go to like the Conception Bay Arena, which has a larger ceiling because it's a brand new facility, um, that uh, um, echo, if you will, that, that cacophony of sound has a greater chance to dissipate in uh, Newfoundland than it did in, in Yorkton. And that's what I want. Uh, I want uh, I want the uh, I want to hear the other sheets, if you will, but I don't want to hear them so much that it colors the main game that I'm trying to do. I don't mind hearing, you know, uh, Nicholas Adine scream uh, on sheet 
uh, Alpha if we're on Cheat Charlie because no matter how big the arena is, you're still going to hear him there. Um, but I don't want it to sound like he is literally on the same ice standing next to the person because that takes the focus away from what the game we're concentrating on. Um, so that's what I try to do. My crowd mics I place at ice level. Um, and depending, sometimes we have a venue where it's only the one side that has a crowd or some venues were lucky where they go all the way around like last year or two years ago in Portage La Prairie. Uh, for the mixed, uh, the Olympic mixed trials that uh, I did for CBC, um, you know, they had all sides. That building has, uh, it's like a complete uh, uh, 360 from seating. So there I was able to change um, where I placed crowd mics because there were crowds on, on the north south portion of the building as opposed to the east west. So that makes a difference as well. Um, it, it, I like, like I said, I prefer a higher ceiling. Um, I will give you a perfect example of things that are out of control uh, in terms of uh, what we can do and, and what happens when a building that has very few people or it's a final. And again, like I said, with 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 baseball, curling is a dynamic sport in terms of crowd reaction when it's just down to a single sheet. When it's a final, um, you, you you the crowd's not going nuts while people are waiting to throw rocks people are only only going crazy when they've made a good shot so you have to be very uh careful of all the noise that's going on in the building and this is still this is probably the worst week of mixing i've ever had um the very first time that we went to uh truro truro uh the brad gushu incident with the ice uh, i don't know if you guys have ever seen that one uh, I'm sure you have. Um, he, uh, that building, um, <laughs> so the ceilings there are about 50 feet high. Um, when they put the ice in, they can't, once the ice is all in, they can't bring uh, machinery in to fix and so forth. And what happened is that there was a fire alarm at the very top of the rink, and it made a beeping noise every 60 seconds. And it went like this. And it went on there for the entire week we were there. They could not shut it off. The battery backup was dead. And there was no catwalk. It's not like they could get a catwalk. Uh, there was nothing. It was a design flaw. Apparently, I guess it happened because there was a there's a, a, a swimming rink attached to it. And it's the same situation there. They had a rink. If they have to change anything above it, they have to drain the pool, bring in a zoom boom, and and change them. <laughs> so that whole week... Every 60 seconds, you heard beep. Now, that's fine when you've got five sheets going, right? But when we got down to the men's and the women's final, I was ready to lose my mind. Rob Falls finally just said after about the first end, said, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you might be hearing a beeping noise going off. Sadly, there's a there's an alarm in the ceiling that they cannot fix. If you think that's bad, I, I, I can't remember the phrase he said, pray for our audio guy, Andrew, who's losing his mind in the audio room right now because that's all I heard. So that's all I heard. And it, it just – it was – you know, I, like I said, I had the – it sounded great. You know, the final was there and every 60 seconds just beep and th that you can't control. You just can't control. Um, so, yeah, I mean to, to, as a long way of just going around saying I want, I want a nice big venue that the sound can uh, envelop as opposed to – um, being pounded down 
uh, on it right away. I want it to have time to um, escape before it returns. So I think one of the things that a lot of people love about curling too is the added benefit that the players are miked. And I'm curious as to how do you mix that, you know, with you, we talked about baseball, you got game field sounds, broadcasters, Uh, you have the same thing in curling. You have arena sounds, broadcasters, but then you have the added layer of the player. So you have eight people in a feature game who are miked and how do you go about determining when they're up, when they're down, uh, and who to be up and who to be down. Like, like what does that element add to you as the mixer that, you know, is very unique to curling? Yeah. And, and it's true. It's, it's unique to all professional sports. It's the only professional sports where you hear what the players are thinking and doing. And I can't, I could not picture, uh, the game any other way. It just, the thought of them not wearing microphones, it just, it would, it would well there'd be no point in broadcasting it to be honest because it would sound horrible you wouldn't you we wouldn't have a clue no one at home would know what was going on unless you were a diehard fan of the game and even then you know hockey the strategy is to put the puck in the net basketball put the hoop but for curling it's chess on ice right you don't know and i play by the way too so you know for me it was a it was a little easier um to get in there so yeah so we have uh for the slam events we have 28 rf microphones um so 28 players are mic'd per game uh eight are on the featured sheet uh and i am basically following again what the director and the producer are calling now it's interesting because normally producer and director really don't care uh about audio um i have a saying in my email you probably said it just says no one cares about audio until they can't hear it um (laughs) But with curling, they actually do listen to what it is I'm doing because I'm trying to – we're trying to tell a story on the ice, and the curlers really are the ones that are telling the story. So I try to keep the story going as much as I can. If something's happened, you know, I know now when somebody's made a bad shot, I'll kill their microphone because, you know, some people have been known to use – and I don't want to kill anybody. Like I don't want to, I don't want to bag anybody. And I know, okay. and I know we'll most just, of We'll just call that the Hebert. Yeah, well, and, and you know, a lot of these guys are my friends now. You know, I've sure. been doing this for so long, so I don't want to embarrass anybody. You know, and and it's it's tough. They're they're expected to keep decorum, if you will. And if you make a bad shot, especially in a situation, I don't want to embarrass them because, you know, I've let the you know shit or whatever an f bomb hit the ice. I don't I don't want that. I don't want that to happen. Um, but yeah, so I am again. It's just like hockey. I'm chasing the puck. So I am uh, I really don't put anybody's mic up on air unless you see them on camera. So I'm just following along. I have the eight mics in front of me and I use the left hand for the red team. and I use my right hand for the yellow team and I just go up and down and I know which fingers, which curler, uh, you know, and I have two guys who work with me. Um, who we assign the microphones and they know which one is which. And most of the players now know what mic they're grabbing and so forth before each game. Uh, and and so we do that. It's a, it's a very well-oiled machine. But, yeah, I am just there to tell the story. And and if I think I'm doing something, I'll say to the director, the producer, I say, listen, stay with these guys, stay with these guys. And they might stay with them, which is why sometimes, uh, you know, they might go to a box or they might stick on somebody, you know, the, the – um, 
you know, they might stick on a, on the lead uh, and the second because they've been sweeping. And again, also like our announcers in the, in, in the booth, they're listening to those curlers as well. So they're trying to listen to what they're saying and they're going to react to that as well. Um, I create custom mixes. So we use what are called IFBs, interrupt foldback. That's what the announcers can hear and we can talk to them and so forth. Um, so I create custom mixes for them that they hear. So in, in sports, uh, with hockey and basketball, I tend not to mix the IS level, so the ice skates, a little lower than they normally would, because guys want to hear stuff, but they don't. They don't really. Uh, they want to hear the effects, but they don't want to overpower it. With with curling, though, I want those guys upstairs to make sure they can hear those curlers at a good level all the time, so they can react to what they're saying, or hopefully sometimes they stop talking and let the curlers um, discuss and talk about what it is they want to do. So it, it's 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 really it's an art form um, just because it's, I've been doing this now since 2000. The first curling event I did was the 2009 uh, Scotties in Victoria, um, you know, and and then I've done lots since. Yeah, I think that's one of the uh, the characteristics in broadcasters that you need to have in curling is to know when to shut up, and uh, it's not easy for some broadcasters that you know they come from doing hockey games or 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 whatever where you've got to be talking all the time but at the curling it's it's truly the the curlers who are explaining the game a little bit more so uh it's nice to know that they're getting that in their ear and uh are aware i think the sportsnet guys and and the tsn crew are pretty good at that now i would say maybe 10 years ago, uh, you know, Sportsnet was talking a little too much, but I think now it's gotten a lot better. Uh, what do you think uh, about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It's uh, practice, right? Uh, sure, like, it's practice. It, it's also the technology's changed in 10 years. The stuff that we were using 10 years ago is not what we're using now. Mm-hmm. So the ability to add more and give them more um, has greatly increased. We're using way more RS than we did before. Uh, and if I had it my way, I'd have every curler mic'd. I would love to have every curler mic'd so that when we went to each backup game, um, all the players were mic'd. Now, cost-wise, it's you know if you did, uh, you know, do the math, uh, we used, we'd have 32, we'd have uh, 38, almost 44 microphones. So you know, practicality speaking, we don't really need to do that. Um, and we have five sheets, you know, for the TSN stuff, they only have four. So they actually have more microphones to divvy because they have eight less microphones to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, uh, the way we do it during the round robin is all of the players are mic'd on our featured game. And then the skips and the thirds are mic'd for all of our uh, uh, backup games. Uh, and then we change that up for playoffs and, and finals. Obviously, we get to mo- uh, mic coaches and mm-hmm. uh, um, alternates, depending if they have alternates, if we have the mics for them. So, yeah, so the, it all changes depending on on if it's round robin playoffs or finals. Is there ever been a time I notice sometimes not all curlers are mic'd and I'm sure some are less comfortable with it. Is it a is it a optional thing for the curlers or is it sort nope. of you must be mic'd? Yep. Okay. Yeah. But what is that relationship like when you go to the ice? Obviously, you know, the people like, you know, the Cooey's, the Jones of the world who have been doing this forever, they're used to the mic. But, you know, the the younger players who come up, do you notice anything 
with them when they put on a mic, especially if it's one of their first times on TV that they're nervous about it or did, like they have questions about like, what are people going to hear? Uh, do I have to, can I ask you to shut the mic at certain times? Like, even if it's something like, you know, if you're at an event, you'll notice players go to the back in between ends. Like, will someone who's on a mic be like, Hey, turn me off for the next five minutes. Like I'm going to the bathroom or something. Like, is, is that something that happens or are they just off unless they're on camera? Yeah. Basically I never take a person's microphone unless I see them on camera. Hmm. And is that, the, is that the discussion with them then when, when, when it starts? Like if there's, when there's new, yeah, when yeah. there's new people are a twos. Um, so I have one guy who we have, I have the same crew kind of thing, if you will, for the sports night games, we have, I have a Western crew and I have an Eastern crew. Um, and they've been doing it a long time. So, you know, and, and most of the curlers know those people now. So if it is new, you know, they'll kind of give them the rundown. They'll just say, listen, just, just so you know, um, if you're the featured game, consider your mic hot all the time. Because we don't, they don't, we don't know when we're going to them, right? Mm -hmm, they, mm -hmm. But if somebody leaves the ice, um, our Sarge for the Sportsnet will kind of give me the heads up. If he's watching, he'll say, "Hey, Andrew, uh, you know, so and so's left the ice," uh, or my A2 will go, "Hey, uh, they just walked past us, heading towards the washroom or whatever." And we'll go, "Okay." So I know not to, I know not to bring that microphone up. Um, but yeah, usually the, the, the rule will always, same with the coach, you know, when we might coaches, the coaches always say, well, I don't want to, we say, listen, we don't, until there's a timeout and you go out and talk to the curlers, I don't raise that mic. Even if they're doing, even if between ends and we come back, I never track that coach mic, even if they're just, you know, on, on the, on the home end, just talking. I don't mm -hmm. do that. That I, I consider that kind of quiet time, if you will. Only when there's an official timeout, will I bring a coach microphone into the mix? Um, so, you know, there's kind of an unwritten rule, uh, if you will. Like I said, most of I know most of the curlers now and, um, you know, I've never I've never bagged anybody on purpose. And, and I try to be I mean, honestly, it's a, it's a privilege for us to be able, able to hear them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, because it, in all honesty, if they didn't want to wear a microphone, they could just say fine. And then they just take the fine. Right. Be yeah, right. And it's all it's going to do. Well, I'll give you a perfect example. So at the Vancouver Olympics in 2010, um, the uh, uh, um, men's and women's teams from the U.S. did not want to wear the microphones except for the skips. So um, and in Olympic curling, uh, it's not at least back then it was not a requirement. There was no uh, uh, contract that said that you were required to wear a microphone. So the very first game I did was women versus China, I think. And all we heard was Deb McCormick. You couldn't hear anybody else. Chinese team, no problem. Uh, and then the next afternoon, it was the men's, and the men came out, and the, the two brothers, uh, and it was Schuster, I think, right, in Vancouver. Uh, such a long time ago. And it, um, yeah, yeah, it yes, yeah um, they, the, th the top three ends. So I guess what, you know, and NBC's putting big money into it because uh, they were, I mean, curling is 80% of the, of the Olympics in terms of airtime for the winter. So I guess that evening, the uh, head of NBC Sports went to the Olympic curling uh, Federation just said, if you want any more time on air, you guys are going to wear those microphones because people want to hear what you have to say. So I guess the, the hammer got laid, you know, uh, and then they wore their microphones after that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a, tr it, it really is a trust issue. And, and I hope, I hope the curlers understand that. And I thank them every year, you know, when we're done the season, you know, thanks again for allowing us to eavesdrop, if you will, um, in your game. And, and like, we all play, like, Obviously, we play. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to know what they're going to do because I might do something differently. And the game is about discussion. It's about strategy. You know, what am I doing? You know, 
Kevin always talks about this. It's it's just chess on ice, right? You're 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 not. It's not the first move. It's the ninth move that you're more concerned about. And if and if you can't get that first move set up, then the ninth move's no good, and you just continue on. Um, you know. So it, I've learned so much listening to those guys, and I listen and I learned so much just listening to the curlers themselves. They all have great personalities. I wish some of them, you know, came out of their shell a little more and 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 talked. I can always tell some teams are a little quiet talking, but uh, you know. Um, it is what it is. <laughs> what do you do with this? Is more of I guess uh, on Sportsnet than with specifically curling Canada events. Sure. But, you know, with, with the when you have that discussion with the Grand Slam events, you have the added dynamic that you have teams that aren't speaking English on the ice. Oh yeah. You know what is what is that conversation like in the truck? And is there you know, more of a need to go to other things, have the broadcasters talk or just not use their live mics as much because your audience won't be able to understand What is that process like? Honestly, we might come up and we put them to air. Um, that, that, that's really, that's really it. We had, um, a couple of semifinals this year where it was the Korean teams and the, the, yeah. the, uh, the Swedish team, you know, and I, I've said to Victor Shell the odd time, I said, you're really going to have to teach me how to learn how to speak Swedish because uh, <laughs> you guys are so good. Um, you know, so it's it's yeah, it's, I don't, you know, um, I think when we, when we do have two, quote, foreign teams, if you will, or, or teams from other countries and they're obviously speaking their native languages um, and that, you know, we don't have real time translation. Uh, our announcers are going to talk a little more, uh, you know. Um, and try to explain a little more. And, and sometimes I might not necessarily have their mics full up in the mixes if it was a English speaking team that people at home could understand. So it's a fine line, if you will. Um, but I think you, you, you can certainly tell from emotion, you know, curling is, is when people are screaming, it doesn't matter what language you're screaming in. You understand <laughs> that you got, you better be sweeping hard or not sweeping. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I want those microphones. I love, I mean, listening to um, Anna Hasselberg just lose her mind in Swedish is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, or Eugenie Kim in Korean, you know, just, just going. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's great. You know, and you know what? And that's the sport. The sport's going that way. You know, especially yeah. for the slams, the, be- the best team, sadly, you know, are, are starting to come from other countries. So um, I guess I better learn swedish and chinese and <laughs> korean and you know and scottish because sometimes evie says stuff and it's just i guess it's slang i don't have a clue you know the bullet points and stuff i'm going i don't know what anybody's saying um but you know it adds a little bit of color which is great yeah and what better time than now than to start learning oh, language, i have right? i have learned i have i've been doing so much these past few weeks i i'm my honey-do list is clean and i'm looking for stuff to do <laughs> Uh, you mentioned the screaming, and and I think curling is interesting too. In that, you know, with the players wearing the mics, their volume really sort of runs the gamut. Because some players you'll see will will sort of whisper sometimes, and then they'll be full throat screaming. As an audio guy, how do you manage that variance in volume for them? Yeah, I use uh, um, I use some heavy compression. Um, so I use, I use some uh, old music tricks, uh, with compression. So I use a double compression system, um, where I have one compressor that, uh, do you guys know anything about audio compression or limiting or EQ or anything like that? Not really. 
Okay. So basically the easy way to describe a compressor is a compressor is like a little magic elf hand that when you set it between certain parameters, the compressor helps to keep it in that in that frame. So it's like a little hand that can move the fader up and down faster than you'll ever be able to respond to as as human. Sure. So what I'll do is I'll set up two different – so each of the player mics goes into subgroups on the console. And those subgroups then get sent to the masters that produce program and produce what's called an IS mix, which is international sound. So if uh, the Korean network was taking one of the Korean teams, they would be getting everything on the ice surface except for things like music, um, playback, and announcers. So they could call the game off tube, if you will. So every broadcast we do that. Same with baseball. We, we That's the same thing. Like we produce always that in case another network is taking our feed. Um so for that, the players go into the IS mix. So I create a double compression. So I set up sub two subgroups. Each player mic goes into that subgroup. I do one uh, subgroup that has zero compression. So the compressor does nothing to affect the level of audio. And then I have another compressor that hits it very hard and compresses it very strong. So what happens is a balance between the two is you get a nice even sound. So when it's when they're talking lower down here, the compressor helps to raise the noise floor a little bit. And when they're screaming, it crushes that down to keep it so you don't hear distortion. Um, I also add uh, uh, individual compression to each of the microphones on the faders. Now, you have to understand, um, when we were in analog world, you couldn't do that. I would, I would have needed racks and racks and racks of compressors to do all that. But in a digital world with digital consoles that I have now, I have unlimited resources in terms of being able to add compression, gating, um, limiting, and so forth. So it makes it way easier to do nowadays, uh, and it's very it's very quick. I can if I don't like hearing something or if I find somebody's quiet, I can just go in and change that individual compressor for that person. Um, before I would I would have to go through racks and racks and racks of analog gear to figure out where it was going and so forth. Plus, with digital, I have way more headroom. Um, and when, when I call headroom, headroom is the, um, uh, the ability for a microphone to reach its maximum SPL without, without uh, distorting. So in analog, your headroom, because you were dealing with analog um, um, amplifiers, didn't have the same uh, range as you do in the digital world. There's so much more forgiveness in digital um, than you did in analog. So that makes a huge difference. So I'm, what I'm doing is I'm trying to individually um, uh, monitor that, and I'm also fa I'm also mixing their microphones. If I see somebody's getting a little hotter, I'm I'm just going to bring that fader down. Um, the gentleman who taught me, one of my friends and mentors who I learned at the CBC, a guy named by the name of Howard Bagley, who's a legend in our industry. Um, you know, the first thing he said to me, Andrew, he goes, "The job's called mixing; it's not called compressing." So you got to mix. Your hand should be on the faders at all time, and you are mixing those microphones. You are mixing those faders up and down constantly. My hands never stop on curling. Baseball, a little different. Hockey, a little different. But on curling, my hands are going nonstop. I am just moving all the time because I'm, I'm bringing players up. I'm bringing players down. I'm maybe – adding a little bit of uh i'm changing eqs i'm i'm adding some more of the ice mics that i have buried in the in the bumpers you know um it's always evolving i'm never i'm never satisfied i, I i'm like you know most audio people have ocd we're just we're always 
compulsive, which is one of the reasons why I got into the live side of things as opposed to um, music recording, because I knew if I was in the music recording, I would be an old uh, dude who did nothing but live in a dark room and obsess over EQ <laughs> and compression uh, and, uh, you know, gate settings without a life, um, because that's my personality with with live. It's great because once it's done, it's done. I can't I can't fix it. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's I'm much better I'm I'm a much better person in the live world than if I was in uh, in post, shall we say? <laughs> you know, we have teams that we think are really good on the mic that offer a lot for us as as viewers that we prefer when they're the TV game because just on the mic they they're really good they're really engaging. Now you would have a different perspective on it just in, in terms of the the sound quality and the mixing of it. Are there teams now? As you said, we don't want to, you know, give specific names or anything because you know of the relationships, and we don't want to call anybody out. But are there teams that are easier to mix than others for whatever reason? Yeah, it's all about personality. Hmm. It really is. Um, so there probably again we're, we won't go into it, but there probably is some overlap on the teams that we like to hear because they're engaging in the teams that are easier for you. Yeah, nothing worse than dead air. Right. Yeah. You know, um, uh, when Stephanie Lawton had her team uh, with her sister, Marlies, um, it, it was like uh, and they're really nice. And she's doing I'm, I'm happy that she's been. Well, I know she I think she's she, no, no, she's not stepping back. They're the ones. Is she stepping back? Yeah, with, she stepped, yeah she stepped no, back. She has stepped from, back. Yeah. Yeah. From, from uh, Silver Nagel. Yeah. But when it was her and her sister, it was like they were mind melded because they never said anything on the ice. Right. It was just the two of them, and, mm -hmm. and it was like it was like they could, you know. And I'm going talk. Just I, I, I'd be in the audio room, and I'll pull, pull back from microphone. And I'm like, just open your mouth and talk, you know. Like I, <laughs> just nothing worse than having the camera on there, and and they're not saying anything. It's just, and you go, oh, just say something, um, you know. And it's funny because now, you know, when we had teams that were new, you know, that have come up with me and see them sort of expand and really come out of the shell, if you will. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm the first one. Uh, you know, people um, people are worried about what they're going to say or how they're going to sound when you put a microphone in front of them. Uh, it takes a long time to get comfortable, mm -hmm. you know, to forget yeah. that that thing is on you. Now, technology has helped. Uh, when we first started, the microphones were about – three quarters the size that they are now uh they were or uh, three times the size that they are now now they're just little micro you can't even really feel that you're wearing it and the mics are smaller they're better microphones so that helps um when before in the old days it was like new russian model right like these things were you know three and a half pound bricks that sat in the back pants i mean your pants would fall down wearing them so you know if you don't have to worry about that you kind of forget that it's there and that helps um, but people just have to get comfortable. Same with the cameras, right? Um, yeah. You put a camera in front of somebody. They could be the nicest, uh, most outgoing person, but you put that camera in front of somebody and their attitude, their demeanor will change. And, I, you know, I've been doing this for so long. It, it's, it's the same. Everybody, it, it just happens. It's a natural reaction, and it just happens. So it takes time for people to get comfortable. Um, I love listening to the Gushu team. Um Brad just talks about it. Brad reminds me of when mm -hmm. Kevin was on the ice, when Kevin was, was, was talking about it, he'd be like, well, that, that, uh, you know, and he could t talk and so forth. Um, but I find, uh, you know, um, when Brad has it with, with Mark, 
Uh, they've got the real poor, obviously. And then Brett uh, comes down and talks. I always find funny. It's three of them. And normally it's, uh, uh, you know, Jeff stays the back. When Jeff comes down, he, it's the silent strong type, right? When Jeff comes down and says something, the other guys all listen because he's mm-hmm. not always down there talking all the time. So, you know, it's it, that one I really find interesting because because uh, well, Brad will just stop. Right. And they will listen to what Jeff's saying. Um, you know, uh, if you look at the McEwen team, um, you know, it's mostly Mike and it's uh, um, um, um Oh, my God. Colin, right? Yeah, Colin. Um, And, and, you know, and Reed. And, you know, they come down. Uh, Derek stays at the other end. Only if Derek comes down and he talks, you know, and I know both Reed and and Mike have said that it's the the silent type that they just uh, they don't, um, you know, if they're not. uh, He only comes down and talks when he needs to, you know, so and then then you have teams where all four of them come down, you know, and they're just talking and so forth. Yeah. uh, Jennifer Jones, I love listening to their team. Same. Dawn only comes down when she needs to, you know, and then when she says something, they usually listen to what it is they're saying. Um, and JJ is great in the microphone. You know, I like her when she actually calls the games when we do some of the Winnipeg stuff. Um, same with Chelsea. Chelsea, I think, really, uh, you know, they call. I, I love seeing, well, you know, you never have to get Dana or Rochelle out of their shell because they're <laughs> always out of their shell and they're fantastic. But, you know, like Val was this, the, the silent type, and she's come out with Carrie's team. You know, she's let her personality show uh, this year. Um, you know, so it's great. I, I love, I've loved seeing the evolution of it. Um, and, and let's be honest, marketing teams that are sponsoring, they, they want them on. We want engaging people on, on air, right? Um, so if yeah. people aren't engaging – What's the point of listening to them? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think John Morris is definitely like the, a Mount Rushmore of people who are great on the mic. Like he just doesn't stop. Oh. It, it's amazing. Listening to him when it was when it was with Mark, Kevin, John and Ben, listen to those guys, that Olympic run they had and listening to them. Even I love listening to when when John and uh, Caitlin won uh, the, the mixed trials, you know, John's hilarious, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's not. It's a non-stop, and he not only is that. Like, what, what, I can see all the other cameras that are on the ice. You guys can't at home. He's still talking to the guys on 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 the uh, you know on on all the other rinks at the same time. You know, it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 pretty funny. Now, one of the ideas that I had way back when for to improve live curling i think one of the problems with live curling being there in person is that you can't hear the players particularly in the larger arenas and one of my ideas and i want to know if this is even remotely practical even if the players somehow agreed to it which i don't know if they would but you had some sort of a device that you got like maybe a radio a little radio and each frequency was a team on a sheet so you went into the arena and one frequency, all right, this is sheet A, yellow rocks, sheet A, um, red rocks. And I could, in the arena, just switch and yep. all those mics would be live And uh, for, for that team. Is that something that is remotely possible that would sound okay, that is, is something that is even remotely practical to improve the in-person curling experience? Yeah, it's really easy to do. Um in fact, I do it sometimes for Curling Canada when they come into uh, a slam event and they're monitoring and coaching, um, 
uh, a team. They're listening for teams. Uh, I will create what's called a custom mix for them and then feed it out to them on a listen device. And they can listen to those curlers and just those curlers alone. So they hear their mics hot all the time. Um, so in, that's because they're because that's not really the quote the public um, that could right. happen. Yes, it's easy to do. The question is, is you would need four individual submixers mixing those other games mm-hmm. for uh, an in-house broadcast. You could never just release those those eight mics, if you will, into the wild. Um, you need to protect people. And and to be honest, it would just be a cacophony of sound again. Um right. But you couldn't stop them if they had to go to the bathroom, right? No one wants to hear that. So you would have to have somebody monitoring and mixing those um, those games. But yeah, in terms of the technology, that's yeah, there. It's easy to do. Yeah, okay. you just you, you just need bodies to do it. Right, and then so that would be cost prohibitive, and it's never going to happen. Sure. So yeah, we did when we had a couple of seasons ago. We were doing. They had so similar to what you were saying. We had an in-house. We had two feeds going. Um, we had our broadcast. So each, each event, as you guys know, cause you've obviously been to events, um, you know, you have the in-house radio feed, which is our main sheet, which features the audio from that in the in-house. Um, but for a season, we had a secondary audio position, uh, where we had, uh, I think Chelsea Carey and whoever else was depending on, on that game would come up and talk. And we had that going out on the secondary FM transmitter. And they were talking about all the other games that were going on on the ice not just the main the only one they didn't talk about was the main game so if you know it was gushu um cooley on on our featured game then they would talk about the nicholas adine um you know mallet game on on alpha let's just say and they would talk about that and then they would switch over to other games so that only lasted a season um and i don't know if it was cost prohibitive or they just didn't think it was working i i, I don't really know that wasn't my decision um but yeah, that's you know something like that. That can happen. Yeah, the technology is there. It's just a matter of having somebody. You need four people mixing those other games. Yeah, and they had something like that at the Olympics in Vancouver. There was a few guys sort of up uh, near the back of the stands, and they were providing little commentary on all the games going on at once, so that if you were in the arena and listening to that feed, they might say, "Oh, take a look at uh, Sheep Charlie right now." They're there's a hit for two or something. So yep. even that kind of thing, I think, would help to uh, bring the experience in the arena a little bit further. The the TSN broadcast is great, and I think it's really funny when you know some a player cracks a joke and then the whole audience starts laughing because <laughs> they're listening to their to the TSN feed. Or yep. you know if, if uh, one of the commentators says something funny. Uh, <laughs> And everybody starts laughing and the players are confused. Like, what's so funny? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think bringing, bringing the players to the people is the, the magic of curling. And uh, the audio is obviously the most important part of that. So Yeah, uh, we do, yeah like you said, we do that for Sportsnet. We have an in-feed, you know, we have the in-feed game and stuff. Yeah. My favorite always, I mean, that was good. It was always at the, uh, at the skins when we used to do the skins up at Rama. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rama, all, because of they had an assisted list, listening devices already for concerts and so forth, so everybody got a, a headset and a radio. 
Um, and so you could really hear it when somebody said something, that whole 5,000 or 3,000 people <laughs> would laugh at the same time. And everybody knew because it was the one sheet. I always yeah. loved that. That was, you know, you could hear the crowd. It was like an, like an old variety show, you know, would crack up. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> so uh, we wanted to talk real quick just before we let you go. You, you mentioned when we were talking before that some of the more memorable experiences you've had have been in curling. And you mentioned specifically that St. John's Briar. And, and as somebody who's been around North America doing major events, playoff games, whatever it is in, in huge stadiums, you said that that Briar final really stands out for you. Why is that? It, it was just sheer unadulterated bedlam fun. Mm-hmm. First of all, the if you remember the weather outside, yeah, right, it was a bit windy. Yeah, um, were you not scared at some point that someone was going to come and hit the truck or? Well, like no, luck, well, yeah, luckily the truck where it was it was sheltered, so that was good. Um, it it honestly, uh, it I, I, I can't. Anybody who's watched the video, the the, the it doesn't describe. So I wasn't mixing that game. That's the only great thing about it. So Graham Zapf, who is a, a friend and a mentor, who's taught me everything about mixing curling, uh, he is the main production mixer for TSN. He was doing that show. I just got to enjoy it. Wow. So I was, you know, maybe maybe, maybe might have had a pint or two because <laughs> uh, we all got winded in because of the weather, and we had to go to Port Hawkesbury afterwards to do the slam, which was following. We were concerned we weren't going to get to Port Hawkesbury because we couldn't get off the island. Um, so it just, the atmosphere, it was eclectic. It was loud. First of all, mile one for a large arena is very intimate. So you had all that noise. You had pent up, pent up excitement. Here's that. You know what? They, they, they cheered him when he won the Olympics, obviously, but this was, that was nothing compared to this hometown boy in front of a hometown crowd. When was the last time Newfoundland won the briar had, I, I, like the, the 40s, the 30s, like, you know, um, here it was. It was against one of the best teams in the world. You had a packed stadium you and it was coming down to the last shot. I mean, you could not, like I said, you couldn't write the script. If you wrote the script out, you know, Jeff's shoulder is blowing all to hell, you know, and mm-hmm. he's give, he's still giving it. Every, it was like Rudy moment, you know, and then Mark <laughs> came in and sweeped and you can just hear Brad and his voice was going <laughs> And, yeah, and then the crowd just went absolutely ballistic. How that's still not a national holiday, I don't know, or a, you know, provincial <laughs> holiday. Uh, you know, it was just, it was, I was just, I was, I was just so happy for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I was just so happy for them. Um, and you'll never meet four nicer guys. Um, you know, uh, like I had mentioned, my father passed away in November. So um, between the event in North Bay. Uh, and the event in, uh, um, in Pictou County, my dad had passed away, uh, and I was luckily home for it. Um, and those four guys were some of the first four people who came up to me and, and sought after me to offer condolences. That's all you need to know about them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I couldn't have been happier. Uh, it was just, honestly, like I said, that one in the Robbie, the Robbie Alomar Hall of Fame game are probably two, two of my favorite, um, sporting events like i said i've done stanley cup finals uh i've done great cups uh you know i've done every award show that canada has to offer and i've worked on large variety shows and so forth just that 
event. And this whole city, that whole city, that whole week was just a buzz. I mean, St. John's was a rock, and we love going out. We, even our slam events we have when we were in Paradise and we were in um, uh, the other place. I can't remember. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Conception Bay. Con- yeah, Conception Bay. You know, and we're downtown staying at the St. John's Delta, you know, and we're out having dinner every, you know, and, and it, it was just, it's, I love, I love, A, I love the people, and B, I love that part of the country. Um, it, it was just unbelievable. It was everything that that place wanted, and he gave, that team gave them everything that they desired. Uh, and it was a gong show for like three days afterwards. <laughs> you, you, there was not a dry seat in the house, you know, I yeah. think the tap run dry at the briar i've only ever seen that once and that was at the halifax briar where they actually ran out of beer um i, had all, I still have these tokens left over from the the, the briar and halifax because they ran out of booze incredible and, yeah. oh yeah yeah you know curling people um like other than the worlds that happened in uh in hamilton that i was there i was doing stuff for cbc and i was tvang i just started in in television i was tvang and I was so TVA means you're pulling cable and so forth. So I'm stuck at ice level, just getting absolutely hurled with abuse and abuse and abuse about getting out of the way. I got yeah. told every four letter word, four letter words I've never heard of before. <laughs> People in Hamilton, wow. it was wild, uh, you know. And then to this, this is it, I love it. I was so upset, you know, um, for what's happening to miss the last two events of the season. Um, cause I was really looking forward to it. You know, the Toronto events really, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect when we first started doing in Toronto and it's really developed a crowd, you know? Um, yeah. so I was really expecting that one to be a sellout again all week or close to it. And then olds was, a, was sold out anyway. Um, so, you know, I know we're going back next year and we'll look forward to it, but you know, it's just a weird, it was a sad way. Like I said I didn't, do, I didn't do the Briar or the Scotty, so the last event, the last curling event I mixed were the uh, men's provincials in Alberta. No, I did the men's, I did the Alberta, uh, the Manitoba provincials. Okay. Uh, I did both of those this year, so that was the last event. I did the men's uh, provincials for Sportsnet. That was the last curling event I did. Yeah, the great Gunnar win, first time he won a provincial championship, which was pretty cool. That was a fun, fun day to see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're good guys. I, yeah. I have, I'm happy for Connor, you know, um, yeah. and, and I was, he's another guy too, that, you know, talking about good people to mix. Like he's a guy who doesn't stop either. Like he, he's always into it. Let's do this. And then they're going to do this. We'll do this, do this. I mean, it's not quite like rain man esque, but it's sort of, you know, uh, on well, a scale yeah, like that. He's just going the whole time. Gunner talks the whole time, you know, and I was super happy for Carrie. Um, and especially for Val, uh, and then to have what happened to the world just gutted for them, you know. Yeah. Um, what can you do? You know, it sucks. It totally sucks. It it really does. But so it is. It, it is. And, you know, we're we're sad, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what the World Curling Federation and Curling Canada decides to do with it moving forward. And we certainly hope that come fall that sports will be back, that you'll be back mixing whether it's uh, baseball or curling or hockey or football, whatever it is, we hope you're back in that truck. And Andrew, uh, where can people find you if they want to get some more info on, on what you do in, in your business? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much on Twitter. Uh, it's at Stokely audio, S T O A K L E Y Stokely audio. And I have a Facebook page. I'm also on Reddit a lot. 
Um, and it's, uh, I, I go under the handle, just some audio guy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, usually, usually I'm on Twitter. That's where I tweet mostly about baseball and curling and, and cooking. Um, those are the three things I pretty much talk about. Yeah. You're into the smoker game, right? Yeah. So my brothers lived in Texas for 20 plus years. And so I really fell in love with, uh, Texas barbecue when he moved down there. And, um, yeah, so I've got a little smoker set up in the back and, uh, and, and I, I almost, I had two choices. I was either going to go to culinary school, uh, or I was going to go to, to, to do audio. Uh, and I chose audio because I figured TV was going to have, um, well, I was, I really wanted to be in radio. That's my first love. Uh, I thought radio would have better hours than culinary. <laughs> I'm a moron. <laughs> uh, so, you know, at this time that I've been off has really allowed me to get back into doing all the things that I really loved doing before. But, uh, you know, I'm on the road 160 days a year. Um, I don't have a lot of time. And when I'm home, I want to do other stuff. Um, I, I've, I've, I've had the time to go back and fall in love with all the stuff that I used to do before. Um, so it's been weird. It's been weird being off. Um, but you know what? Uh, I, I got to say, I've really enjoyed um, being home. This is the longest stretch I've ever been home in my entire career. Wow. So. Yeah. And, you know, and if you had been in the culinary arts, it would have been the same thing, right? It, so, 100%. Yeah. So yep. uh, two, two industries that have been hit hard by this. And uh, hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll come out of this, uh, come out of this strong. So Andrew Stokely, thank you so much for joining us. Great insight. That was really fun for us. And we really appreciate you giving us the time today. Thanks for having me. So there you have it, Scott. Yeah. Great, great insights there by Andrew and uh, a lot of, a lot of things that like I wouldn't even think about, you know? Yeah, me, me too. Like, like I would have thought, for instance, with the, the player mics, that he's sort of listening to it the whole time and, and sort of that he's kind of guiding more of the story than it never occurred to me to think of the video element of it. Yeah, yeah, sort of follow the video. Yeah. And uh, makes sense, though. It makes sense. Yeah, and, and I do appreciate too the, sort of the the insight, you know, as somebody who my whole education, or at least my graduate education, was the history of radio, and now I teach things about sound and the way sound influences us on a, on a more cultural level, but to hear about the challenges, the practical challenges that go along with making things sound good, it's actually quite interesting for me to to think about it from not just what the final product is, but also the work that goes into it. Because those guys, Scott, I don't know if you've ever been in a production truck, but you know they're not big spaces, and those guys, there's a lot of folks in there crammed in there for mm -hmm. a long period of time. It really is uh, amazing that they are able to produce such quality content that I think for a lot of folks, we, we don't really, we're not consciously thinking about it as we as we go. And as he said, you made the, the great comment that, you know, people only care about the audio guy when you can't hear stuff. Yeah, yeah. And Sean is a weather forecaster. I feel the same way. Right. When he, when he said that, I, I thought of weather is the least important thing until it's the most important thing. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes whatever you're planning an event, oh, the weather will be fine. And then it starts to rain a little bit and everybody's like, why didn't we plan for this? Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, the, the year I lived in Barbados, the, the, the weather 
job is the easiest thing because it's 28 degrees every day and it's going to rain in the afternoon. Uh, but once hurricane season starts, you really kind of want that person around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Sean, speaking about weather, yeah, we, we actually discussed some weather earlier this week on our Instagram live. Yeah. So we got into an Instagram live with Ryan from rocks across the pond and Jonathan was there too in the comments and we tried to go on Twitter. It uh, didn't work for a variety of reasons. So we got on their Instagram. We did a little Instagram live. I enjoyed it, Scott. Yeah, it was really fun. We sort of we didn't really talk about curling that much. Talked more about uh, different sports venues that we've been to. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I had a really good time. I, I think that video will live for a little while on their Instagram page. So if anybody wants to go check it out uh, on Instagram, I th- I'm not sure what their handle is. I'm going to look it up right yeah, now. Yeah, check, check what the handle is because on Twitter it's it's at Curling Podcast. So uh, yeah, I'm not sure actually what it is either. I should know that. It's, it's uh, Rocks Across the Pond, all one word. Okay, yeah. So so check that out. It, it was a lot of fun. I think we're going to try to do this a little more regularly. I I think we'll try to find some format that works where we can have all four of us together and, and just do some hangout type stuff. But, uh, it's always good when we get to engage with those guys. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They're good, uh, good fun to hang out with and, uh, talk some curling and some non curling too. So a little way to fill the gaps. Absolutely. So, uh, so keep, uh, posted on those. We'll tweet those out whenever they're going to take place and where they're going to take place. We think we have a better handle on how this will work now. A little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Sean talking about Instagram. Yeah. I have been posting photos of you and I. Yeah, you have from our various, uh, baseball trips. Yes. And you know, I just realized I forgot to post one yesterday, so I'll have to do two today. Yeah, get in there, buddy. I mean, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time going to parks across North America. And actually, one of the first times, Scott, to get back to, to Stokely real quick, one of the first times we, you know, engaged with him, I, I met, I don't know if met is the right way to say it, but we were actually in St. Pete at the Rays Blue Jays game and, and tweeted about what food options were. And he quickly sent us a message that said, don't eat there. <laughs> yes that's right yeah so uh so yeah so you're, you're going through on your instagram page at scott lakes tv throwing up photos from our various travels uh, and you're going to be doing this all month yeah that's the plan uh i i really don't know what happened yesterday i've, I've started taking oh, you, uh, i mean you're busy time you know i mean you know well i've been taking a, some courses in coding okay uh, in, in computer coding so uh, I guess I was doing that yesterday and the day kind of got away from me, but, uh, yeah, I'm trying to learn how to do some more data analysis within Python nice. and hopefully I'll be able to bring some of that to the podcast, you know, being able to, uh, manipulate some data and, and come to some conclusions. What do you mean? Like just say that more people are listening to the show than are actually listening to the show. Oh, no, 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 no. Like instead of using Excel to, you know, simulate curling, maybe I could right. write a little script, you know? Right. Or maybe you could create something like what they had at the Kentucky Derby on Saturday where we could watch it. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. 
Right now I'm learning about functions, so I think uh, I'm a little ways away. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Next month we'll uh, we'll get to we'll get to that. <laughs> there you go. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So definitely check those out. Uh, some of the comments that I've seen on on the Facebook side, Scott, uh, from the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Aaron Boys, uh, commenting on. I mean, it was it was for part of the the period of of time where we were doing this, Scott. I had hair. Yeah, Sean, you had a long, flowing hair coming out the side of your baseball cap. Yeah. Uh, I was pretty jealous. I've been bald <laughs> since uh, 2004. Yeah, something like so, that. I found a, I found my camera. I, 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 in, as part of this project, I went through and found some old photos on a camera that I think I got in 2008. And uh, one of the first photos on the card was you. And yeah, there's no hair there. Yeah, yeah. So I remember I shaved my head for a cancer fundraiser uh, at and UBC, it, and it, never, and came it ne- never came back. Never came back. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So a lot of fun going on there on the Instagram page. Maybe we'll throw up a couple on ours too. We'll see uh, on the Game of Stones one. But definitely check out Scott there as he uh, finds stuff to do in the month of May. Yeah, keeping busy. Yeah, which is uh, which is terrific. So uh, our thanks again to Andrew Stokely for just some great insights there. Uh, so whenever you're listening to uh, or watching a Grand Slam, really pay attention to the audio. Uh, Stokely is the one responsible for that. Uh, great job there. Uh, really appreciative of his efforts and his time coming on the show. Scott, thank you as well. Always a pleasure, buddy. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you a little bit later on today for some pub trivia. Yeah, a little uh, social distancing pub trivia. And Scott, uh, I think out of the, how it was, six, seven people who play, I think the four-year-old is the one who is uh, the most popular player on the team. Yeah, she's really uh, pulling her weight. Which is pretty easy because she doesn't weigh very much. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope everyone's doing well out there, staying safe. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your pods, on Google, Apple, Stitcher, all the places. Spotify, we're on Spotify. I was into Spotify this week, Scott, uh, checking out some of the numbers there. So thanks to everybody who's found us over there. And please do rate and like and comment and do all that stuff. It, It just helps other people find the show. Thanks to everyone who has done that. So far, Scott, I've noticed a lot of new ratings on Apple since the last time I looked. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah, because so, I uh, haven't uh, I haven't been going to the Apple store and <laughs> putting putting some on their display phones. <laughs> so uh, so thanks to everybody for doing that. And as always, you can follow along with us on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. And as we said, Scott at Scott Lakes TV, and I'm on Twitter at Doctor Shawnee Fever. Where I have some thoughts on the new Kevin Martin podcast only in relation to uh, the media stuff and their discussion of media rights and curling that I'm going to put some thoughts onto that because as someone who studies the history of media, I think that's the more appropriate place to engage with those ideas. So uh, there you go. So I'll, I'll be engaging with the, the, the Kevin Martin podcast on the, the personal Twitter account at Dr. Shawnee Fever. So uh, there you go. A reason to go look at that. Cool. I'll, uh, I haven't checked that out yet, but uh, we always welcome more curling content. 
Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Love the love the additional curling content. So if you have anything you want us to talk about on the show, any ideas, you're always welcome to email the show, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Stay safe out there. We'll be back with you again next week. But until then, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...